0: Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, where you're invited to gain insight, wisdom, and knowledge about how Christians integrate their faith, life, and finances with a biblical worldview. Here's your host, Christian investment advisor, financial planner, and coach, Bob Barber.
1: 2 Timothy 1.7, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Today, we're gonna cover investment risk, first we're gonna cover just risk because you know, life is full of risk. When I got in my car this morning and came to work, that was, I was taking a risk. But I put my seatbelt on, that was a calculated risk. I stayed the speed limit. I wasn't reckless. Everywhere we go, there's risk. Changing a job for a better one, uh, there's a risk in that. Getting on a plane or a boat, there's risk. Starting a business and the list goes on and on. But you know, we as humans, we need to take risk because think about what the human race would be if we never took any risk. Amen. Hello, Bailey.
2: Hi, Bob.
1: <laughs> Boy, we are tackling a hard subject today. Amen. And we prayed about this. And um, I, I was thinking, man, do I bring this to the podcast? And I thought, yes, I, I am because I'm just want to be transparent. Mm. And, and, you know, I have fears and risk. And our listeners has everyone has fears and risk. And
2: Yeah. Even doing this podcast is a risk. Yeah.
1: It's it is. <laughs> even talking Absolutely. about it. This Absolutely. This today's subject is a risk and doing a podcast like that.
2: Yeah. But how boring would our lives be if we didn't ever take any risks, right? I mean, life is that's all life is. Every decision we make, every move we make is risky. And they, I love there's this John F. Kennedy quote that says, There are costs and risks to a program of action. But they are far less than the long range risk and cost cost of comfortable inaction. I just love that. And um, the idea that that, you know, it's risky to not take any risk. like never having to risk. um I know a, a, a conflict that I've run into in my life at this stage of life is the world is a crazy place right now. <laughs> yes, it Ooh, is. the world there's yeah. so much going on. There's so much instability. And what about? Having kids, or going outside, or living life at all—all all of it seems like a really oh with risky... COVID,
1: with the coronavirus, absolutely. It, yeah, I, I don't want to go out because I'm scared I'll get it. Yeah, and and you can take calculated risk when you do that. Wear a mask. Keep your hands clean. Sure. You know, don't don't talk to someone five inches away from them. You know, <laughs> but you're taking the risk when you go out. But you're also taking a risk if you don't go out. Right. I mean, their depression is very high today in, you know, the riots in the streets could mm-hmm. just be caused by just pushing people down so much and saying, you, you got to stay in this box and you can't move outside of this little 10 foot by 10 foot shell. Mm-hmm. And and it makes you crazy. Sure. It's risking that.
2: And I think life is, is a little bit weighing risks. You're saying, which risk am I willing to take? Which one is more important? Which one brings more meaning to my life? The risk of staying home because I'm afraid to go outside, that's a risk. That has a million consequences for it. But going outside has consequences too.
1: I want grandkids. I got one and Mm -hmm. I want a lot more. And you you know what I hear? Hmm. Like you said, it's a crazy world. Why would I want to have more kids? What if... Every single person in the world today said, I don't want to risk having more children because of the crazy world we're in. What would happen to mankind?
2: I mean, it would cease to exist. Yeah. It didn't exist at all. Just,
1: Just a couple of generations.
2: Wow. What a crazy thing. And even, I mean, if you think about our country and what a risk it was to come to America, right? To...
1: Get those little small ships. Have you ever seen how small those ships were? Oh, it's I've been, insane. Yeah, I've been, you know, I've been to the, to the northeast and the historical places, and the ships were small. <laughs> that That's was a, a huge, long way to go, too. <laughs> huge risk. Yeah, you're going out in this ocean, just like you're this little dot in the ocean, mm-hmm. and there's no radar or anything. You don't know what the weather's bringing. That was a risk. Our ancestors they risked everything mm-hmm. by getting on that boat and crossing that ocean to come to the greatest country in the world.
2: Absolutely, because all action has risk, but so does inaction.
1: I, you know, I think about our inventors mm-hmm. and all the things that, that they risk you know, from electricity to the telephone, to the automobile, to the technology we use today, it all involved risk. Mm-hmm. And, and what if they were just so fearful, well, I'm not going to take that risk. And they just stayed in their comfort zones. What would life be like today? you know we wouldn't even be recording this podcast <laughs> that's true. because it's electronic you know? <laughs> that's true that's scary to think about <laughs> and so there's calculated risk and what we want to talk about today we we are going to get to the 15 different types of investment risk and and because this is a financial show but before we get to that we have to kind of tackle the risk and and, and risk as i was mentioning earlier kind of goes hand in hand with fear fear and risk and fear is not a bad thing. Sure. I am fearful to, you know, we had a leak in our roof, and I'm fearful to get up on that roof, and that's <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> sure. I, and I was thinking, and we paid somebody like $1,000 to come fix that, mm-hmm. but, you know, paying a $1,000 is a lot cheaper than me falling off the roof and going to the emergency <laughs> room and all the pain and the $5,000 bill I would have. So sure. that's wisdom, and I'm glad that I don't want to take that risk to get on the roof.
2: Yeah, you because calculated like it. I say,
1: th- that's wisdom. So, so calculated risk, I, I believe in calculated risk. Hmm. And I think th- what, th- what we're going to share today is is calculated risk. If you hmm. know all the different types of investment risks, you can take a calculated risk. Hmm. And I've taken calculated risk for many, many years. And it's paid off
2: absolutely so what do you think it is that that stops people from taking those calculated risks
1: i think it's i think it's it's a fear it's a lack of knowledge uh, that just stifles you Mm -hmm. uh they they just don't know what to do um but i think it really comes down a lot to fear and lack of knowledge What what do you think
2: yeah i agree i think that it's fear um but, you know, there's a healthy fear. I think that you learn if you touch a hot pan on a stove, you learn, right. hey, that burns. I don't want to do that again. That's and so right. there's something that keeps you from <laughs> making that decision again. Or yeah. or fearing uh, fearing the Lord is a good thing. The scripture says that that the beginning of knowledge starts at fear of the Lord. And so having a healthy understanding of risk and of what could go wrong, uh, like you said, it's a calculated Risk. But I think not knowing what those things are, it just makes people totally freeze.
1: I think about the risk of the servants in the parable of the talents.
2: Hmm.
1: And, you know, their master, they gave one of them one, and the other one three, and the other one five. And it was interesting that the, the one that had the least to lose was scared to take the risk. And in my years and years of being a financial advisor and investment advisor, I'm amazed that the, it's the, the wealthiest clients I have that will take the most risk. Hmm. And, and I don't know why it is that way, but I know somebody is listening to this was thinking, well, they, they have so much. They, they can afford gamble. to lose it. Right. Look at the scriptural example. In the scriptural example, he took his five talents and invested all five or the three and invested all three. But we don't want to take Scripture out of context, too, because so we want to go back over to Ecclesiastes. It says, give your portions to seven or eight because you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. That was Solomon that said that. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be one of our 15 investment risk.
2: Mm -hmm. So good. And Philippians, it says... Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, And I love that because it's almost to say the opposite of that fear is trust, is to put your trust in something. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what changes the game. And so let's get into those 15 types of investment risks. What do those look like, Bob? What does it look like to be educated in our risks and to make some calculated risks?
1: Well, risk number one is what I call concentration risk. And this is where you're investing in only one category of all the different types of investments. As an example, you're investing all in real estate, Hmm. which is where most realtors think you should invest. Sure. (laughs) That's because of what they do. But- You invest it all in real estate or you invest it all in stocks or you invest it all in bonds or all in CDs or all in gold or just one sector of the economy um, Hmm. when it comes to investing. And, you know, maybe just energy or just industrial or just utilities. That's called a concentration risk. And you have to be very careful of concentrating all of your wealth into one basket again that goes back to ecclesiastes 11 2 give your portions to eight yes to seven because you do not know what disaster may come upon one of these
2: Hmm.
1: you know real estate has been hot so long here in the austin san antonio area where we are right in between those two towns it's been so hot for so long that there's this mentality around here that No matter what you invest in in real estate and no matter what the price is, just pay it because somebody else is going to come along and pay a higher price. Hmm. At one point, that's going to stop. And as we're starting to approach California prices in certain areas, you know, in like downtown Austin or now here in downtown New Braunfels, they're asking 400 to 425, $450 a square foot. Several years ago, it was hundred dollars a square foot. Before that, it was. I remember when it was sixty, but it just continues to go up, up, and up. At what point? So th- that's an example of concentration risk and being extremely careful of the risk of getting caught up hmm. into. It's never going to end. There is a certain point that you can blow the air into the balloon before it pops, hmm. and the balloon needs to be. It needs to come back. And I'm not saying that. All real estate is bad, but don't put all your your eggs there. Mm-hmm. It's the same with stocks and in, in a sector. If a certain sector everyone's going to that sector, that sector could get overvalued, and you need to look at that and pull back from that. So be careful of concentration risk.
2: That's really so that's risk number one. That's something that I've never even thought about before. <laughs> and so, I'm like you said, um, I think what drives people's fear is that they're not educated on what the risk could even be. And so it just causes us to freeze, right? And so the first risk, concentration risk, one that I haven't even thought about.
1: <laughs> well, most people don't think about it. If they have all their money in CDs, they're not thinking about concentration risk. Sure. But having all that money in CDs is a concentration risk hmm. because with CDs, they're not even keeping right with inflation. So you're going broke safely.
2: Wow. Wow. Okay, so what's risk? Number two would be um, economic risk. What does that look like, Bob?
1: That, that's about investing in investments that are only going to do well when that part of the economy is doing well. So there is economic risk in investing. You have to know where that is. And uh, underweight or overweight to that particular sector where the economy is. Hmm. And one of the things is, is that as a certain part of the economy gets overheated, when that starts happening, nobody's thinking about getting out of that part of the economy. Because it's everyone wants to go where everyone's going. It's that follow follow the, the, the herd, herd mentality. Yeah. So as, as you're looking at that, look at that from an economic standpoint and, and pull back on things that have been doing well for so long that it's time for it to take a breather, kind of like what we just spoke of under that concentration risk.
2: Wow. And then number three is political risk. What is the political risk?
1: Well, the political risk has to do with where we are politically, who we put as our leaders, and are our leaders free enterprise-driven or are they socialistic-driven? Hmm. Because that's a major risk that if they want to stifle free enterprise, imagine what that can do to the economy over the long term. So there is political risk. Look at who is being elected and which side they've been to, the, the wrong side or the right side.
2: Hmm. And you've talked a lot about uh, investing one way and voting a different way. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting that that you can vote for someone who who isn't going to line up with the way that you're investing your money or the way that you're taking. See it risks. all the
1: time. <laughs> see it all the time, and and I see it even with with Christians in the form of a they want to be diversified, so they'll have half their investments uh, with us that are biblically responsible and the other half supporting the left, and I don't get it. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah, you got to be careful about dividing against yourself because, you know, a kingdom divided cannot stand.
2: Mm, Amen. Amen. Okay, number four is tax risk.
1: Oh, taxes can really eat into your returns. You know, I'm dealing with this right now from some property that we sold and has enormous capital gain in it. And I can either 1031 exchange that piece of real estate into another piece of real estate or pay the tax on it. And I'm going back and forth. And I'm in that point right now. There's a 45-day period where I have to identify a property. If I don't, then I'll have to pay all the tax. And that tax Mm. can be enormous for the amount that we sold the property for. So that's tax risk. Other risk uh, would be being careful of moving a portfolio around too much and buying and selling too much, creating short-term gains that are taxed at income tax rates Versus long-term capital gain tax rates
2: hmm.
1: and using the tax deferral as much as you possibly can. But also you got to look at it from the perspective of, or taxes are going to be higher in the future than they are today. And most people believe that they will be higher in the future. So this all plays into how you're investing in that tax risk.
2: Wow. What's number five? What's our fifth investment risk?
1: Liquidity risk. And how liquid is the investment? So back when we were talking about real estate, real estate is not a liquid investment unless you're investing in a publicly traded real estate investment trust. But you own a home or you own some land, you have to put that up for sale. And in a hot market like we live in, it may sell in five days. Hmm. And that's what's happening around here. But in other parts of the country, That's not the case. So you have a liquidity risk. Each time you do an investment, you have to look at that liquidity risk. And what will it cost you to get rid of that quickly? I have a lot of people, they're always calling and saying, hey, let's invest in some gold. Gold, there's liquidity risk. You're not going to take gold coins and go down to the local grocery store and liquidate them. <laughs> sure. So, and you also have the cost of commissions in that because many of those that buy and sell gold, you know, there's a high markup on the gold or they'll give you less than it's worth because they have to make the profit.
2: And are there tax penalties that come along with that?
1: With uh, gold and silver? Yeah, mm-hmm. there is. There sure is. And the taxes are not the same as they would be on other investments that you would hold long term. Wow. Income tax.
2: And number six would be interest rate risk. What does that look like?
1: That depends on where the interest rates are and how the interest rates are going to affect sectors, as an example. Right now, um, where bonds are, if you want to buy long-term bonds, if interest rates start going up, the the bond value will drop. It's called bond duration. So if you're buying a 15-year bond, as an example, can you see interest rates going down anymore? They're at rock bottom. We're the lowest point we've been in years and years and years. So when these rates start to go back up, as an example with interest rate risk, if you have a 15-year bond and interest rates were to go up by just 1%, the value of those bonds would drop by 15%. Wow. That's called bond duration. Also, the interest rate risk is in real estate. If interest rates start to go up, Real estate doesn't sell as easy and the price of real estate will have to go down to compensate for people that are buying real estate at a higher rate because they're not going to be able to afford as much house as they can at a lower rate. Sure. So that will affect the housing market. That will affect the overall real estate market. Interest rate risk also affects companies because a lot of companies, they, they borrow money. The money is a floating rate. If the rate goes up, the company can't make as much profit. There's a lot of risk there.
2: So we're not even halfway through our 15 risks. We're at number
1: six, right?
2: (laughs) We're at number six. And I don't know about our listeners. I know I'm a rookie investor. And so this all just feels like like new information to me. And I think it's a a big point of why having an advisor is really important. Because these are things that, that I wouldn't think about just going straight into investing on my own.
1: No, you wouldn't. And, you know, I think about all of this just from experience. By the way, this list was... I came up with this list in about 15 minutes. Hmm. It wasn't hard because I look at these risks on a daily basis. But people don't know what risks to look at when they're investing if they're not real experienced in it. Because of that, what happens is is fear sets in. And Hmm. I'm, I'm not going to make that investment because I don't know what the risks are in that investment. But if you have a real experienced advisor that knows all the risks going in and knows how to compensate for that risk. As an example, we were just talking about investment risk. I'm not going to go out and buy long-term bonds today. I'm staying in all very short-term money, Mm -hmm. short-term bonds, because if interest rates go up, those bonds are not going to be affected nearly like a 15-year bond. I'm looking at three-month bonds, Mm -hmm. three-month, six-month bonds, bonds that are very close... To maturity for that very reason of the interest rate risk. And that's why I'm very cautious about real estate right now. Very cautious. Because rates start going back up, prices are gonna to have to come down to compensate.
2: Wow. And that's so helpful. I mean, even just thinking back to that passage of scripture that we read where it's don't be anxious about anything, but instead, in everything, go to God in prayer. There's something so comforting in knowing that somebody like an advisor who's walked this road before you that you can say, Oh, I'm not alone. I'm not just walking into a a dark tunnel. There's somebody that could kind of walk me through it in the same way that we can put our faith in God and say, Oh, he's been there. I'm not going into this by myself completely blind.
1: That's right.
2: Okay, so number seven would be inflation risk. What is that?
1: Inflation risk is where it gets ahead. And that's the example of a CD. Rates are so low in CDs where if your CD is paying 1% or 2% and today overall inflation, and I know exactly where it is because we use e-money with our online financial planning system and it, it keeps up with where interest rates are, 2.8% is right where inflation rate is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the inflation rate is right at 2.8. If you're making less than 2.8% on your investment, you're losing money you're losing the value of your money wow. so you think about that if you're making two percent in a cd you're losing point eight percent of purchasing power every single year but cds are one of the safest places to put your investment dollars but don't put them all there that's money for where you're going to need something in an emergency and be careful of going long term especially today because long-term rates are so low but that inflation risk is really there because the value of your dollar of your investment is actually going down if inflation is higher than what it's making.
2: And number eight is longevity risk.
1: Mm-hmm. Longevity risk is a is a big one with retirees. And this is why when we do financial planning, we have to figure in how long are they going to live and uh, what is the rate of return? What, what are their living expenses? And will they be able to live on what they need for their lifetime? Well, I say what they need. Hopefully they have enough to live on what they need. Will they be able to live on what they want? (laughs) Let's say it that (laughs) way, okay? Because you may want Mm. to live and retire on $200,000 a year. But what you can retire on is $80,000 a year Mm -hmm. or $50,000 a year. So there's longevity risk. That's not a bad thing. We all want to live long, but uh, you could outlive your savings if you're retired and you don't compensate for your expenses and your rate of returns. You got to know what your rate of returns are. So as an example, if you had all your money just sitting in CDs and you're losing money slowly, but every single year, everything's getting a little bit more expensive, right? Because it's 2.8%. Inflation in some places is even higher than that. If you look around here, inflation is much higher. in the Central Texas region because of how we're growing so fast.
2: Wow, and number nine would be emotional risk. Tell me about that. Oh, I see this
1: one a lot. You know, we've made an entire podcast off this, and emotional risk has to do with allowing your emotions to get in the way of making sound, long-term investment decisions. Hmm. And that's when the market's like when they drop dramatically and and you see your portfolio drop dramatically with the markets, that's called volatility. But so many times people associate volatility and account value with loss. As an example, we have a $500,000 portfolio and it's a growth portfolio. And back in March when COVID knocked the markets down 20, 25%, that $500,000 portfolio, you know, they could see a statement the next month of where it dropped by 20%. That's $100,000 on that portfolio. So it drops down to $10,0 You'll have this conversation. And they'll say, hey, we've lost $100,000. You've had volatility. It's moving up and down. But if you have a well-diversified portfolio, and that's letting your emotions get caught in that because emotions would say, I'm selling out right now now you've declared a real loss you've made the loss real if you sell while you're down now this is why i always believe be careful of concentration risk that very first one that we talked about stay away from concentration if you stay away from concentration and you have a well diversified portfolio historically it's always rebounded now i have to make the statement here for compliance reasons That past performance is no guarantee of future performance. I can't make the statement that it's always going to rebound. I can make a statement based on history that it always has in the past. Hmm. A well-diversified portfolio. I can make a statement that in a concentrated portfolio, like I saw back in 2000, I saw people that invested all in technology during the internet bubble. It went down and many of those companies went broke. It was not coming back no matter how long you held on, the companies cease to exist. Wow. But that's the emotional risk. Be careful of allowing that emotional risk. And emotional risk also always wants to get in when everything's going great. I noticed that if the stock market has been fantastic for five years in a row, everybody wants to get in the stock market. And then we have a downturn, which is normal. We have downturns, and then nobody wants to get in it anymore. <laughs> So they they want to get in after everybody else has already gotten in, and then they want to they they want to get out when the market drops. When that's the time you should be getting in. That's your emotions,
2: <laughs> and that could be said for for all of life too. I suppose everybody loves sailing on smooth seas, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, risk number ten is expense risk.
1: This has to, to do with how much does the investment cost. I was just having a conversation this morning with an, an individual that they. Um, all of their money, 100% of their money in an annuity. And because of the high fees and expenses of that annuity, it's eating into the return. So we're looking at that, and how is that going to uh, affect this person over the long term? And this was an annuity that didn't even have any guarantees with it. So that's what I mean by high fees and expenses. High fees and expenses, I mean, if you're making a gross 10% return and your fees and expenses, like in some of these annuities, could be 2 or 3%, you're giving up 20% of your return or 30% of your return to expenses where you can now move into investments where the expenses are 1% or less or half a percent or less. So you keep more of the return. I mean, if you're making 10, but you see seven, you've given up a lot of return. But if you're making 10 and you see 9.7, you know, you're keeping a lot more of your return. That's what I mean by expense risk. So now we've gone through 10 of them. We're down on the last... Third of the risk.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so our next two are short term and long term risk. So, what does short term risk look like?
1: Short term risk are allowing short term thinking to get in the way of long term results. So, if you have a well diversified portfolio and you can see historically how that portfolio is done, but you have those short term fluctuations, that's what I mean by that. The next one, the long term risk though is an unwillingness to change a mapped-out plan when newer roads are ahead. Right now, there's a newer road ahead, and that is how we are moving more and more to electric vehicles, as an example. Now, I'm not saying oil and gas is dead by any means. I mean, it's, we're, we're still going to be using oil and gas in this country for a good 15, 20, maybe 25 years, and we need our natural gas plants to make the electricity that the cars are going to run on. <laughs> uh, but... You, we, you need to be willing to change with the times and just not say, I've got this plan and I'm just going to stick to it no matter what. Hmm. Well, what if things are changing? So that's what I mean by the long-term risk.
2: Okay, number 13 is health risk.
1: Well, we've seen that this year, haven't we? Mm-hmm. There's health risk individually, but there, then there's also health risk like the pandemic that we've had and how that's going to affect the economy. There has been a lot of money made, though, this year, even while the economy shrunk, because there were sectors that, that took off and did well. And the big box stores did very, very well. We've seen a whole new sector of delivery people now. Sure. You know, and now everything is being bought to us. But there's health risk that can affect the economy. You know, I wouldn't have put this in there normally. Well, I would have, but it would just be our own health. But this year, it's been the whole globe.
2: Mm -hmm. And like you said before, things have changed. The world looks different than it did a year ago. And so that longevity risk comes in here too.
1: (laughs) Yep. So we just got two more risks now.
2: All right. Number 14 is overall market risk.
1: This is a lot of what I've referred to earlier, that the trends and sectors are going to rotate every few years. As some sectors become overvalued and others become undervalued you need to see the risk in that and make the changes to your portfolio as they come about. And then our last risk is not taking any risk at all. Mm. I mean, that can be risky as well because of what not taking risk can do to you. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. It's similar to that quote that we mentioned earlier, that comfortable inaction is a risk all in itself.
1: Yes, mm. that's correct. That's the 15 investment risk that I see. And, uh, if someone wants to go to our, our podcast website, they can see all this. It's all laid out for them there. And these are all the risks that you need to look at if you're going to manage your own portfolio or you can hire an experienced advisor that knows how to put together a portfolio compensating for these risks.
2: That's so helpful and being able to make educated, calculated risks because they're necessary in all of life. And so how do you understand your personal investment risk tolerance
1: we use a a computer program that's called risk allies and and i want you to think of risk as a scale from one to a hundred and, and one is the least amount of risk that's like putting money i guess under your pillow and you're sleeping on it hmm. and then think of 100 is investing in one stock in one sector and putting everything there that would be the highest risk so risk runs from a scale from one to a One is basically zero risk 100 is the most aggressive and then there's everything in between there hmm. and and also think of risk like a speed limit and getting to a destination we all have a choice about every year we've been doing it for about 30 years we we either fly or we drive but we like to drive many times all the way to colorado from central texas that's a thousand mile trip i can choose to drive 30 miles an hour or I can choose to drive 65 or 70 miles an hour, which is a speed limit, 75 in some places. And so I choose that calculated risk and think about where you choose along the spectrum between one and a hundred. Do you want to be going 30 miles an hour? Do you want to be going 50? Or do you want to be going 80? You know where most people fall? Most people fall in that mid range. Hmm. They're comfortable with that, 45 to 55, 60 on the risk scale. But then sometimes people will surprise me. Even my (laughs) retirees will surprise me. And and I I had one yesterday. They're in their 80s. And they have plenty from their pension plans. And they have this large portfolio. And they came in at a risk measurement of like 91. Wow. I'm like, what? (laughs) So that was because that was money they wanted to give to their grandkids 10 or 15 years from now.
2: So does all risk equal some kind of reward?
1: Normally it does, but not always. I Mm. mean, the the more risk you take doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get more reward if it's not calculated. So you must calculate it. And there's there's no guarantees in life. Mm. I'll just say it right now. There are no guarantees. We don't know if we're going to make it home safe today. None of us do. But we're going to get in that car and we're going to go back home. We're going to get in the car and come back to work. We're going to, we're going to take vacations. We're going to do things in life. So there's, there's risk, but there's no guarantee. So with that, when you look at all 15 of these and you put these into a portfolio and compensating for everyone, there's still no guarantee, but at least it's calculated. And the long-term results have been much, much better than uncalculated risk. So what is your risk number? You know what your risk number is? I have no idea. Well, you need to take your risk number. I we do need to get your to risk number that. around here. I know what mine is, and my risk number is actually pretty high. But you know why it's high? is because I know how to calculate it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have five different values-based portfolios that can correspond to where you fall on the risk scale.
2: And the first of those would be um, an ultra conservative. What what would an ultra-conservative look
1: like? Well, an ultra-conservative portfolio, is one that has no stocks in it at all. It's kind of a CD alternative. We're investing in in treasury bills and U.S. treasuries and some real short-term bonds. So on on the scale from 1 to 100, that's going to fall at about a 20 when you look at that on our risk program.
2: And the next would be conservative.
1: And a conservative is just where you add a little bit of equities to it. That's going to be a risk scale of about 25 to 27. It's going to boost those returns a little bit over the long term, but it's also going to give that portfolio a little bit more volatility.
2: Okay. And what about moderate?
1: Moderate's where most people, like I say, lie. Um, Not everyone, but most. And that's going to fall in that, that 45 to 55 range category on the risk scale, depending on where the markets are and the sectors are that will have as much as a a 60% exposure to equities and stocks or as low as a 40% or even 35% exposure. But it has to do with where the economy is and where the different sectors are and are they getting overheated or not. That's what we do here at CIS Wealth Management Group is we move back and forth depending on where the risk is and where I feel it is and, and applying, again, all those risk strategies.
2: And the next would be growth. Where does that fall on the risk scale?
1: Growth is getting up there. That's getting up there on the risk scale of a a 70, 75. It's really a longer-term portfolio. In a normal market, that will be as much as 80% invested in equities, 20% in in the the bond side, short-term treasuries, short-term money, uh, to give it a little bit of stability. But like I say, that is a portfolio that's going to be much more volatile, and you need to understand the risk associated with that. And that's where on our risk scale we'll show you what to expect and volatility, how much down you should expect that to go or how much up, okay, over time.
2: Sure. And then the last kind would be an aggressive growth portfolio.
1: That's putting the pedal to the metal. That's going, <laughs> you know, that's kind of like getting on uh, our tow road I 30 between, um, let's see, between Austin and San Antonio. And, you know, the speed limit goes up to 80 and 85. Oh, that's wow. that's where that's gonna fall. That's gonna fall to risk measurement of about, of about 85. It's 100% equities normally, historically, over time, that's been our, our greatest returns, but it has the greatest risk. It's gonna have a lot of volatility and you gotta be careful of the emotional risk in that type of portfolio because it's really gonna move up and down a lot. And like I said, everybody wants to be aggressive growth when the market's been great for five or six years. Sure. Little do they know it's starting to get very overvalued at that point and it's time <laughs> for a, a break.
2: Sure. So they're gonna have to buckle up. <laughs> So Bob, you as a wealth advisor, you're here to help guide people and walk beside them through the minefields of risk and investments, um, and help them build a portfolio that fits their risk tolerance, right? That's so correct. Yeah, what we do it every day. To do that.
1: Well, the way you get started is it usually just starts with a phone call, and then from there we we take it with our our emails that go out and we do the risk assessment and we look at the full financial picture and see how how is this going to fit into your long-term goals? How's it going to fit with your family? How's it going to fit with your age and what age you are and when are you going to retire? So... We, we've got to look at all of that and put all that together before we start making recommendations about which portfolio or portfolios with an S because many people, they'll use a combination of the hmm. different portfolios we have for different investment objectives.
2: Wow, well, this has been super educational and helpful, Bob. Thanks for taking some time to answer some questions and to help us figure out how to make some calculated risks.
1: You're welcome.
0: That's all for now. I invite you to listen to all of our past episodes covering many financial topics from a Christian perspective. To make sure you don't miss any of Bob's upcoming episodes, you can subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, or Stitcher. To learn more about integrating your faith with your finances, visit ciswealth.com or call 830-609-6986. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DBA, CIS Wealth Management Group, a registered investment advisor. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber, and his guests. Bob does not provide tax advice and encourages you to seek guidance from a tax professional.